0: Welcome to the PCA Power of Positive Podcast, powered by Tapivo. I'm Jason Sachs, PCA's Executive Vice President for Business Development and Philanthropy. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. Before we get to today's interview, we want to say thanks to Tapivo for their support of this podcast series. Youth sports can be confusing, especially if you're new to them. The different sports, leagues, coaches, and programs, they can be a bit much. Well, our friends at Tipevo are here to change this by putting all the vital information in one spot. Visit Tipevo.com, that's T-I-P-E-V-O.com today to help you discover, connect with, and review the programs that are best for you and your kids. Today's guest on the podcast is Olympia Asia Evans. Really excited to share Asia's story and how she went from a track and field star from the south side of Chicago to an Olympic medalist in bobsled. A fun conversation getting to know Asia and the impact she has had on women and minorities in the Olympic movement. Thanks for listening, sharing with friends, and be sure to check out our partner Tapivo at tapivo.com. Welcome to the PCA Power of Positive podcast. I'm Jason Sachs, and we are honored to be joined by Asia Evans uh, here in Chicago, Uh Olympian and bronze medalist uh, which we're going to talk about but Asia thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's been a very enlightening experience working with PCA and seeing all that you guys do. So I'm honored to be here.
0: Great. Well, we're excited to learn more about your background um, and your experience being an Olympian. Um, and I and I've been doing some research and reading up about you. And um, I've seen you say this a couple times. And I think once people know who you are, everybody's going to ask the same question of, how does a black girl from the South Side of Chicago become? <laughs> A bronze medalist in bobsled. You know, it's like, all right, I'm sure we have Olympians, but bobsled of all the things. So I'm excited to learn more. But I do want to talk about South Side of Chicago, where you grew up. Mm What was your youth sports experience like growing up? What sports were you playing? Yeah. What do you remember from that?
1: It's so interesting because my experience in sports, um, I didn't really get into organized sports until my freshman year of high school. So oh, wow. I had a pretty late exposure to, like, organized sports being part of a team. I went to Morgan Park High School, which is known for their track field programs, Mm -hmm. state champs, state runners-up, so I came into a very successful program, which kind of made me want to become that great athlete that I am. But prior to that, um, my parents just let us be kids, so my youth sport days were more so like camps. Mm -hmm. I loved basketball camps, volleyball clinics. Um, We would be outside a lot. My sister and I were doing anything we could, dance. Kayak and canoeing camp even so um, our parents just let us be kids and my decision to go into track and field and and be part of that program was solely my decision which made it feel even better and I feel like that created the longevity through sport
0: yeah so when you get to Morgan Park High School and you start going into track and field I mean did, did people know you as the fast girl like, like how did how did yeah, you get uh, like so what so, were people recruiting uh-huh, you to come out
1: no um well so I the coaches from Morgan Park knew who I was, um, and my mom ran track and field in college, and so I always had a connection to track and field. I always aspired to be a track and field athlete, and eventually it, I thought I was gonna be a track and field Olympian. <laughs> it's so funny how that works, right? right? Um, but it wasn't until I start the summer before uh, my freshman year of high school that I started running track for the first time, so I joined their um, Firestarters their club program and my mom actually bought a pair of blocks and she used to teach me how to sprint mm-hmm. out the blocks right in our house so I wouldn't have much space we would right. pull them up push them up against the wall literally I would burst out of the blocks and have to stop because I would right. run into the wall ahead of me but that just did something for me it created this power and this drive and so the moment I started stepping on the track in mm-hmm. track and field Um, I was always a force to be reckoned with and it didn't it made my first year in sports uh, in high school a little difficult because the friends I thought I had weren't trying to be my friends anymore after (laughs) I started beating them (laughs) and so I learned to make friends outside of sports which I still to this day are lifelong friends but um, I had to learn a lot along the way and I think that um, her just even taking me through that step really helped me to understand my power and how to generate it and take it where I wanted to.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, your mom ran track and field, but you're, you come from a sports family. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about all the different, your brother, Mm -hmm. NFL, like tell us all about your family background in sports.
1: So my mom and my father met in college at Chicago State University. My mom was running track and my father is actually the first black national champion in the breaststroke. So he was a big time swimmer. Um, My brother Fred Evans played in the NFL for eight years. And it's so funny because my brother took after my dad with swimming for a long time. Um, his first experience in football in high school was um, not the best for him because he got to his, um, you know, they have the reception and ceremony after your first year and stuff. Right. And the coach accidentally forgot his name. Oh my gosh. And it just so. kind of affected him. And he didn't want to do the sport anymore. So for a hit from sophomore to like, senior year he was solely water polo and swimming oh wow yeah and his senior year they (laughs) begged him to come back to football and so he came back to football balled out, went to University of Illinois for yeah. a year and then went to um, a ju- junior college and then ended up getting drafted from Texas State, which is the D1 AA school. And he went seventh round. And I mean, a lot of his friends weren't even getting drafted and they went to like Notre Dame right, and some yeah. of these bigger programs. So he was d- destined to be in the position he was. Yeah. Um, my uncle is known as Sarge around these parts. He's Gary yeah. Matthews. He's an infamous Cubs player and coach. From the Phillies to um, everywhere else. And his son, Gary Matthews Jr., is my cousin as well, who's known for this amazing catch during the World Series and his success with the Anaheim Angels. So, yeah, sports is part yeah. of my blood. So, you really, <laughs> so,
0: even though it's interesting, it's not as if your parents were forcing you to play sports when you were younger, right. but I mean, it was part of the culture of the family. Yeah, so, you were just really doing was. it anyway.
1: Yeah, I wanted to be a part of that legacy. Um, I always had a hunger to find my path and, and what was for me. And the moment I started getting into sports, the c- competitiveness and the adrenaline I got from winning uh, yeah. actually <laughs> right. really yeah. pushed me forward. Um, yeah. And even losing, like I, at first I used to take it very hard, but once I started to understand the lessons and how to improve from that, it was always a challenge. And And I just didn't realize how much I thrived in in those challenges. So, yeah.
0: Sorry. All right. So, you're in high school, Morgan Park High School, track and field. Um, Then you go on to college, right? So, you run – you went to UNLV for a year? Yeah. I I
1: actually went to UNLV my freshman year of college, which was a choice I made because I grew up as a Chicago girl. And I started to realize that um, sports could take me anywhere around the country. And so, like – Because of the program I was in in high school, we got to travel a lot. And after that, I'm like, man, the last thing I want to do is stay Stay home. home, right? Right. (laughs) So I went as far away as I could, but also I love learning and growing. And I wanted to immerse myself around people who have been to the places I wanted to go to. And my head coach and my shot put coach were both Olympians and Olympic record holders Mm -hmm. at at one point in their careers. So, of course, I wanted to go be with athletes like that and coaches like that so I can continue to grow.
0: Yeah. And then you ended up at Illinois? Yeah, for the rest so, of your
1: career. Um, <laughs> As soon as I got out there, um, I didn't feel like (laughs) it was for me. Uh, I'm a Midwest girl. And and I talk about this a lot when I um, even worked with the PCA workshop. I had to grow up a lot in school sports, and it didn't really occur until more of my adult years, especially as I pursued bobsled. And so I was a little more stuck in my ways early on in my career. And so when I got to UNLV, it wasn't the smoothest adjustment for me. It was different cultures, different people, and my work ethic. um, I'm more of a performer where I expect my work to speak for itself and it just didn't gel well at the time and so I decided that I wanted to be closer to home and in a different program that was more beneficial to my growth and so ended up with at University of Illinois I was offered a full ride and it was like a dream come true for me.
0: That's great. Yeah. And so reading up on your background and um, while you were at Illinois I think it was your coach there that started looking at some of the different things that you were doing in track and field and Uh started comparing them to some of the you know, combine things for the bobsled right. So, I mean, when they come to you, when your coaches come to you and say, hey, we got this idea about – I mean, what was your reaction to, like – It's
1: so funny because now I feel like I can give more of my honest reaction
0: <laughs> because
1: my coach – he, him and I didn't have the um, smoothest relationship. Yeah. Coach Herb and I didn't begin working with each other until my junior year of college, and I came in working with um, Coach Gary Winkler, who – Was actually like our head coach, but he specialized in hurdles and sprints, and he took me on as a shot put thrower and completely jet setted my um my shot put career. I went from uh, just qualifying for conference to my first year with Coach um, Winkler. I qualified for USA Olympic trials Mm. in 2008. I made my first USA Olympic or not Olympic team, a USA national National team. team, Um, I won. Uh, and went to Big Ten championships. Uh, I was at nationals competing, so I was doing all these things in one year, and then the next year he retired. I was like, no. <laughs> no. So then in comes Coach herb and, you know, I've already started learning a certain way, so it was a bit of an adjustment. Like I said, I'm not perfect. I had to do some growing up. Right, right. And um, so it's very interesting. By the time Coach herb really uh, suggested the sport to me Yeah uh, It sounds cool But honestly All I knew Like a, a lot of other people Was cool running Right <laughs> So I didn't really Take it serious I'm like man You just don't think I can go pro And right. do all these things yeah. As a track and field athlete Or a sprinter And shot put thrower A lot of athletes Don't do just both yeah. They're either like A multi event Or it's one or the other Right And so I was very adamant About trying to be both Like Yes, I have this power and speed, but I also can throw a shot put and I wanted to show the world that you can do both and you can be this person. And so, I wasn't very receptive to it at first. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, sure, cool." But um about a year and a half later, I wasn't pro in track and field and I was working as a sports performance trainer out in Highland Park at yeah. EFT Sports Performance, which I love. Like, I love helping athletes, clients, professionals um accomplish their goals, but I felt like I didn't give myself that same opportunity. Which is when, uh, which is how bobsled like came back into the picture. And in 2012, I tried out for the team and made my first Olympic team and won bronze two years later. So he was right. <laughs>
0: so, so let's let's go back in that in that process. Uh-huh. So, I mean, what is it like the first time Definitely. you get into a you get into a yeah. bobsled? I mean, it's what like 375 pounds or something?
1: Yeah, 365 um, is the minimum for women's sleds. Yeah, and. Because American women, we're more solid and we have that speed and power on us, we can have the lighter sleds. But even some other nations have even heavier sleds than that. It's crazy. Um, and it's interesting. So when I first came into the sport, we have at the Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid what we call a push track, which, mm-hmm. is, which is a dry land simulation of the start of the race. So you okay. get to practice pushing the sled Um, without jumping in and going down the track. So it's a different experience. (laughs) I learned how to push a sled, but I did not know what I was getting into going down the track. And nothing anyone tells you can really prepare you for that. I mean, it's a mile-long track of twists and turns. You're pulling four or five Gs, so we're going four or five times um, against the force of gravity. So it was pushing me down into the sled. And that first time down the ice, I didn't do like a lot of other athletes. um, Sometimes they'll ease you into it by like putting you in the sled and kind of pushing you off. So it's not as much speed and (laughs) momentum. No, they made me go straight (laughs) from the top as hard as I could. I jumped in after my driver, which I knew. Got down, and next thing I knew, I was praying for my life on the way down. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand why people wanted to do it. It's loud. It's a pretty violent ride. And and to Lake Placid's credit, um, it's arguably one of the roughest tracks in the world, most difficult. So, like, yeah, that's our home track. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You practice on this track? It's horrible. Like, everything is like this in this sport. And so it's funny. Once you come through the finish line for your first time, Everyone's kind of standing around with their phones trying to gauge your reaction. And I, you know, I try and keep it cool. So I kept it cool for the most part. And then literally walked off to the bathroom and called my mom, like, hey, so I don't know about this. Like, can I come home? Why would anyone want to do this sport? How does this qualify as an Olympic sport? It has something else I can do to fulfill this. And she let me get it out. Yeah. And I feel like my mom. Um, knows that when I call her in certain times that, like, yes, I want to vent, but also she's that voice of reason to help push me back. For and sure. as soon as I was done venting, she said, okay, now I go back to the top of the hill and do it again.
0: And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, <"Mom>, yeah.
1: <laughs> My third day ever on the ice after that was team trials, and I yeah. set the start record and we won. And so I was like, oh, okay. Whew. Like, I guess I can hang if yeah, we're gonna yeah, I are going to be setting yeah. records and winning, you know. <laughs> but, so, um,
0: yeah. I mean – It's As you said, it's impossible to describe it, but I mean, your first time down or even, you know, when you're first going, like what's going through your mind? Because you're, you're obviously focusing on, you know, the first time you just don't know what to expect. right? Right. But you're trying to focus on what you need to do or is how much are you actually doing? You know, during yeah. the race.
1: So the first time down the ice, I was definitely focused on being as technical as I can. Um, and surviving. During, yeah. And surviving. <laughs> once, I, once I jumped in, then it was complete survival mode. But again, I'm a very a strong performer. So I was like, I don't care if it's my first time or my fifth time. Yeah. You're going to get this start record right. or yeah. start time. Like, I'm going hard every time I'm on the ice. And yeah. so I was still that person on the line when we were lining up. Um, And I went very hard at the start But once I got in I was like looking around And again, we wear protective gear We wear helmets, mouth guards Burn vests under our speed suits So in case you crash Going 80 miles an hour The friction on the ice Can put serious gashes and burns on your body So you have to be safe and smart Um, But it's pretty counterintuitive trip down Because I have to force myself to be relaxed In a very uncomfortable situation And I'm not in control And it feels like you were stuffed into a trash can and kind of kicked off a hill. (laughs) So, like, honestly, trying to relax in that setting is not very easy. But um, once you learn to just kind of breathe and control your your breathing, um, control your emotions, then it it becomes better. What helped me was to learn the tracks, and Mm. so I knew what to expect. I knew when certain pressures were coming I knew when certain turns were coming, I was very in tune to what my driver was doing during training. So I knew if she was bumping a certain wall that I was like, oh man, I have to prepare for this or hopefully, (laughs) it it was always fun when we would race um, and I would notice the things she's been working on and how she killed it. I'd be like, yes, Yes, there you go. Great job, Jamie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so there's that part. But um, the more you learn and and just kind of immerse yourself into that um, position, then the better it is.
0: Yeah. So what – you, you talked about control a lot and with all athletes, all sports, you know, and even one of the things PCA talks about is just, like, control the controllables, right? Focus on what you can control. Right. When it comes to bobsled, once you hop in, I mean, it, it could just be breathing, relaxing. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some of the things that you could actually control yeah. once you're on this, like, r- runaway interesting. train? <laughs>
1: yeah, because um, understanding control was hard for me coming into the sport. I thought – um by exhibiting my control and my performance like mm-hmm. i was the fastest i was the strongest any any driver I pushed with, I pushed them the fastest. That was going to get me these races. But it wasn't just about that. Control was also learning your teammates. It was learning yeah. what your driver needed to be successful, what they needed to prepare for their race, and to be the most confident in the sled. So, yes, I can't physically do much going down the track, but I can make sure they're as empowered as possible, giving them all the good energy, the confidence they need. And so once I'm in the sled and going down, I'm trying to stay relaxed. Um, very aerodynamic, um, not be a distraction to them Uh, in preparation for the race. I'm making sure they have everything they need at the start of the race Uh, in the start house. I'm laying out their clothes and equipment, making sure they're organized in the way they like it because they do track walks. So um, before each run and each race, they walk the track from the bottom to the top. And so they walk the track and Pay attention to the ice conditions with the coaches, and while they're doing that, the brakemen upstairs flipping the sleds and preparing them for the race. We're start preparing our gear in the start house, and so it's it's more so about preparation, yeah. um, and that's how I can control the parts that I can't really control because um, I'm able to make sure that I do as much as I can to help put it, put them in the best state of mind.
0: Yeah, yeah. So tell tell us more about the actual Olympic experience, right? Yeah. You know, when you go in 2014, right? That was your right, first, first, first game. Games. So just tell us, you know, you had th- talked about, I'm going to be an Olympian, right? Yeah. You, you, didn't, you know, maybe track and field, but now you're there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What is that experience like?
1: Yeah, 2014, um, I was still very determined to win an Olympic medal and honestly win an Olympic gold medal. And so I think that's important to say because um, I'm very – honored to have won my bronze but it was because I shot for the gold that I even pulled off the bronze and you have to be confident in your in yourself and Mm -hmm. always shoot for the best because if you don't like then you're selling yourself short and so yeah I was very confident and very determined going in so I feel like 2014 versus 2018 in 2018 I was a little more experienced and I enjoyed the journey a lot more I feel like in 2014 I put a little more pressure on myself to be successful and um and I thought that it had to be a certain way. But um, once I got to the Olympic Village, I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah, in Winter Olympic sports, you have the Mountain Village, which are where the all the skiing, snowboarding, mm-hmm. Um, bobsled, skeleton, all the mountain uh, mountain sports are. And then about an hour and a half away, you have the coast, which are where all the arena sports like right. ice yeah. hockey, speed skating and those things. Um, so being in the Mountain Village was amazing. We travel and compete in our World Cup season. And so you're competing with athletes from all around the country every stop. Right. So I'm used to being around different cultures and yeah. different uh, nationalities but in the Olympic Village you're around different cultures and nationalities from different sports so like everything was new to me I got to experience so much we don't compete until the second week of the Olympic Games okay. and so the first week I was signing up for any and every uh, Olympic event I could because it was I'm from the south side of Chicago <laughs> right. I've never even seen stuff on TV let alone right. in person yeah. so I'm like I'm taking this all in I was yeah. at ski mogul ski jumps and that was the first year they had women's ski jumps in the Olympic Games I went to snowboarding, halfpipe, like all yeah. these crazy things that I've only heard about and seen on TV. And to experience it in person was so amazing. Yeah, yeah. my favorite experience at the Olympic Games is opening ceremony. And mm-hmm. that stayed true both for 2014 and 2018 because you have all of the best Olympian and athletes under one roof. And no one's worried about competition. We're all excited, embracing the moment, taking pictures with each other. Uh, honoring each other's cultures and and um and countries and, and it's just a really rewarding experience. And then you can get back into your go mode and yeah. your game time. Yeah, you can do that later. But like in that one moment, everyone's just happy to be there, and it's truly magical.
0: What's up with the skeleton athletes? Like, how are? How, how, <laughs> why would anybody ever do that? Man,
1: I don't know why anyone would ever do boxing let a long skeleton. At least I have some type of barrier right, exactly. around. Yeah. Me. yeah, but honestly, they say skeletons. One of the m- more safest of the three sliding sports um yeah, they say that skeleton is more so about efficiency down the track versus like um safety and not okay. crashing, yeah on a i I've heard that on a lot of the tracks in the world, you could put like a bag of rice or something on a sled and it'll make it down it won't be like uh, very it's fast not, yeah, and got stuff. It but um, it, it probably won't flip over. Yeah. And so um, the skeleton athletes, their season is is the same as ours, and so um, they travel with us, but their score <laughs> isn't, I don't, listen, I don't wanna see any of that stuff. I'm glad that I'm down in the back right, of the yeah, sled, you're just not seeing anything, and... I'm just like trying to be over it. For them to be going at those speeds, completely exposed, they are yeah. on a different level. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. What? Um. So after you win, win the bronze in 2014, um there was a, a chance or you you started to train to potentially right. for the summer Olympics back track and field. Yes. So what was what was that all about?
1: So after twenty fourteen, um I felt the desire to go back to track and field because I wanted to gauge how far I've really come as an athlete and as a person. I knew that winning an Olympic medal and my journey as an Olympian to that point had really grown me on a personal level. And so Track and field was going to be my way to gauge how far I've really come because I knew what my fastest times were, what my furthest throws were, and, like, I wanted to see how far I could really take it. Um, I was training in Arizona at the time as a heptathlete, so Mm. I was – bringing together my sprints and my my shot put along with jumps hurdles and everything else and so (laughs) it was very exciting training but um unfortunately that window got cut short when i had a hurdle incident and tore my acl so um it's so funny because i tore my acl and being the stubborn person that i am (laughs) i didn't even i mean we did the lockman's test and stuff like that but i didn't get an mri at the time We just thought it was more so a bone contusion, Um, and I ended up training on it for like two Mm. months before we realized the severity, and it wasn't until I started doing more with shot put and I couldn't really push off of it that we we knew something was wrong, and I got the MRI, and my ACL was over 90% torn. So at that point, you got to just, you know accept the cars you're dealt and and just make the most of it yeah. so i got full reconstructive uh surgery on my acl use my patella tendon and everything and so after that i just decided to take my time with my journey and not force anything
0: yeah and then at that point when you realize that you couldn't do that was 2018 always in the back of your mind that you were going to try to bobsled again? Um,
1: yeah, but it was so far away that I didn't want to pressure myself into yeah. thinking about it. I think it was more so like, okay, how am I going to make money? What am I going to do <laughs> with my right, life? Right, right. And so, um, again, I ended up back home and working with my friends and family up at EFT. Yeah. And it was very rewarding. Like, I'm getting to do what I love. And this time, I'm as an Olympian. So yeah. so it's <laughs> even, even cooler. Yeah. 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 So um, everyone was excited right, to exactly. work with yeah. me. I was excited to work with them. So it was good energy all around the board. And um, as I started to approach, approach 2016, I knew that I had something to prove. And I knew that I wanted more. And um, that's when I made the decision to go back to bobsled. And... Um, Jamie my driver from 2014 actually came to Chicago her family her brother lives there and she met with me and we were just talking about some of our goals and like what it would mean for us to really go back and do it. And I knew it was deeper reasons there. It wasn't just about winning a medal. I had a medal at that point. Um, It was about just embracing that journey and owning it. I was meant to be um, on this path, and so I was ready to attack it. And I feel like I grew as a business, too. In Olympic sports, you're not governmentally funded by the United States. So, like, you have to find your own funding and make your way onto the national team, in which you receive a stipend and prize money and stuff. But Um, I did a lot of work um, branding myself and mm-hmm. working with local organizations local companies and then that grew into 2018 representing Ralph Lauren Polo Ralph Lauren BMW Procter & Gamble all, WinTrust Financial all these yeah. major institutions that I've always wanted to work with and dreamed of being a part of and yeah. now it was all coming to life and so that was completely that's awesome. amazing yeah, Yes, that's I, great I, I laced my entire family out <laughs> with Ralph Lauren it was so cool <laughs>
0: that's very cool what um When you think about bobsled and obviously your background coming from, you know, basically picking up the sport and two years later you're in the Olympics, what did you see? You know, is that common with bobsled or what is it where, you know, and people probably know Lolo Jones coming from track and field and then trying bobsled. But but like, you know, whether you're a driver or, Mm -hmm. you know, how much experience do people actually have? When they're, you know, like, or That's how do they possible. learn, or what, what's their yeah. background?
1: It's interesting. When my coach told me about the sport, he used examples like Herschel Walker, who was mm. a football yeah. player that yeah. went to bobsled, vanetta Flowers, who was an infamous track and field yeah. athlete that went on to win an Olympic medal in bobsled, and they all transitioned. And bobsled is honestly like a second chance sport. It provides you with the opportunity to accomplish your Olympic dreams and goals, and maybe you didn't have, you didn't make it as far as you wanted to in your sport, and it provides a second chance. So. It you can come from power sports like track and field football softball and a lot of athletes that end up pursuing bobsled and other sliding sports are in their early 20s when they first start out because again you don't really grow up doing it like I'm from the south side you're <laughs> right. not gonna find a, not bobsled a bobsled track, track out there <laughs> yeah so you kind of um, are put into this very unique position to fulfill your your own dreams and so yeah. it's it's really really cool and I think when we came into the sport in 2014 um, we really Really shed a light on the possibilities and opened it up to showing that more track and field athletes, more women of color, um, a lot of different things. By 2018, you had Sean Adigan who who had who started the first Nigerian bobsled team. And Sean and I were actually track and field rivals in high school and college, and it was because of 2014 and my participation in the sport that she started off an entire federation, the first African bobsled team. Like, that's insane. And you had my teammate Jasmine Finlater who was on the 2014 Winter Olympic team, but is also a Jamaican citizen, and she created the first Jamaican bobsled team. You had GB, Canada, all these other countries embracing more African-American women, more track and field athletes, and you see the culture and the sport changing, and it was amazing to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I mean, that's I think w- amazing um, with your story. Um, you know, you have the bronze medal to show in right. two o- Olympic games, but everything that you just talked about is just such a bigger impact, and you it just really feel is. really good about that. And yeah.
1: Thank you, and and honestly, that's when I started to realize my true calling and why I was meant to be in the sport. It wasn't just because I'm competitive in this. Right performer that just was very stubborn and you know stuck in her <laughs> ways do it, right it was because i was meant to inspire and show others that the possibilities i'm literally from some of the areas that people read and see about wow. on television um when i go back to talk to kids from my school like or kids from those areas i get to show them my medal and be in front of them and interact with them and they get to see someone that looks like them, someone that comes yeah. from the same background and show them that it's possible. I've met kids that have never even been downtown Chicago right. yeah. um, and to just know that like my purpose is bigger than than just the medal, like that's why it really matters to me. I'm not just standing up there, just representing my country. I'm representing so much more. Um, it was, it started to be a game changer for me when I started receiving messages from people, like on Facebook and mm-hmm. Instagram, from not only in my country, in my city, but all around the world. Wow. Like people were using translator apps <laughs> to, like, you could tell, like, yeah. it's a little broken right. English. Yeah. Yeah. But my story, how they were cheering for us, how yeah, they yeah, were yeah. inspired to go after this job opportunity to to, to achieve this weight loss goal, or to just inspire their children, all from us pursuing these um, crazy, crazy sports and crazy adventures. And I think that um, that's the power of the Olympic movement. That's why we're meant to be Olympians, and that's why we we're put on that pa- platform is to continue to inspire and show them that anything's possible.
0: Yeah. So one of the, with the Olympic movement and Olympic sports, um, the downside is that they're isn't necessarily like a professional right. you know, league or anything like that. So talk about your transition now from being an Olympian to what's next and what some of the things that you're yeah, focused on.
1: Yeah, um, I think the beauty in being an Olympian and transitioning out of sport was – some of the services and programs the USLC has provided for me. Um, I became part of their athlete career and education service um, that they offer. And so they've been helping me with educational opportunities. I did a business program at Dartmouth for um, elite athletes and military vets and it's called Tuck Next Step. It's at their business school and it's a two-week program um, just kind of helping us understand how the things we've accomplished and done in our life can translate directly into business language, um, redo our resumes, understand interviewing skills and just change our perspective on transitioning out of sport and that was a game changer for me. I became part of the Women Athletes Business Network with Ernst & Young and, and International Women's Forum which was How I ended up with PCA, I met Betts um, as part of IWF Chicago, and I met her in Toronto, and we ended up hitting it off and catching up here in Chicago, and ever since then, she has been such a light in my life, from helping me with my own nonprofit organization, to getting me more involved with youth sports here in Chicago, and honestly, giving me confidence as I transition out of sport, it's never an easy thing, and um, you never... Really feel secure in your decision either way, but right. I think that the more I embrace transition, the more I just own this journey of mine. I'm being put in positions and around, surrounded around people that want to help me grow in any way possible, and so it's truly been a blessing.
0: Yeah. So tell us about your foundation. Some of the things you're yeah, focused on. I'm
1: working on my foundation. It's called the Asia Foundation, and AJA stands for Aspiring Journeys Ahead, and it's a organization geared towards empowering women's female student athletes through their journey as an athlete um, and embracing the journey and what uh, and providing them with opportunities and tools to kind of figure out what they want to do yeah. outside of sport while they're in sports. So maximizing their platform, making sure they're they have the financial literacy components they you, they need and providing them with opportunities to, pursue other fields and and other areas and to just really explore that and see where they want to go outside of sport and prepare for that transition while they're in sport and I think that a lot of times we get so focused on our goals in sport whether it be championships Olympics um, whatever it is that you don't really think past it and I wish I would have done that more but now that I have the opportunity to provide this for these resources for these women um, it's really exciting for me to kind of just give them the things that I wish I had and and a lot of other olympians and athletes which they had and i think that it's important to encourage them while they still pursue sports because um you can go on to be olympians you can go on to be world champions and to do be professional athletes and do whatever you want but it's still going to be a transition afterwards and it's about owning that journey the entire way through
0: so what are what are one or two things that from sports specifically Mm -hmm. that are transferable do you think like what are those two or three like life lessons that you really think you've learned through sports that now you're gonna that you keep with you every day
1: yeah my leadership skills Mm -hmm. have really really um stayed with me throughout sport and into my professional career um the confidence I I was instilled with from my goal setting my determination um even with working with a team like leadership and teamwork are two skills that I think that really really helped me to become um better with transition I feel like I'm able to take on tasks and to lead teams and also to be a great teammate not just um part of a team, like the team player and and the one to bring everyone together and and make a cohesive unit where we all succeed and those qualities from even my experience with working in the corporate world and working with business professionals they say those are all qualities that they really look for despite your educational background despite your experience background um, to have those those are things you can't really teach and those are things we learn along the way and it's in all athletes and I think that they need to stay confident in those things and and to and to remember that when they transition out of sport yeah
0: well you talk about transitioning out of sports and I think you're your story is a special one that you know people that you've been able to come in contact with you know, within the Olympic movement internationally, uh-huh. but also the work that you're doing here in Chicago is, is pretty amazing. And everybody that listens to this will, will be able to learn more. So wow, we appreciate you. that. Um, so we're going to wrap up. Uh, we end every podcast with five quick hitter questions. Okay. So um, first one, Chicago girl, if you had one Chicago team that you had to choose to root for, what would it be? Who would it be?
1: Oh, you're going to get me in trouble. (laughs) Chicago Cubs. All right, Cubs, all right.
0: A Southside girl, a Cubs fan, huh? I know. (laughs) Don't give me, don't listen.
1: Just keep the questions rolling. We got to keep it going. All right. Um,
0: Favorite athlete that you looked up to?
1: Jackie Joyner kersey Jackie Joyner kersey I've always been a big JJK fan. In high school, we used to go to the Jackie Joyner kersey relays every year, and um, it would be so exciting not only to perform on that stage and know she's watching, but also before each – each track meet, she would host, like, kind of a conference where mm-hmm. she would have Olympian friends come in and talk to us and meet with all the athletes bef- the night before the race. And so I was always encouraged and empowered going into it. And by the time I became a bobsled Olympian, she was like – she knew exactly <laughs> she, who I was. That's she awesome. She tweeted me good yeah. luck. And then I ran into her a couple times after that, and it's been nothing but love. So that's –
0: That's pretty She's special. my all-time yeah. favorite, yeah. That's great. Um Earlier in the podcast, you talked a little bit about the preparation before um, before your runs and things uh-huh. like that. What what music did you listen to Ooh, to put you different. in a spot there? And and so yeah. we're going to – what did you used to listen to? Uh-huh. And if you were doing it now, what would you listen to?
1: Yeah, so um, I think now and then yeah. are still the same. Like yeah. I love hip-hop music. I yeah. love high beats, yeah. um, the bass. Like I want to feel the energy and get pumped up as I – progress throughout my warm-up, so I, I really love to curate my playlist. My friends who love and know me always send me great music um, <laughs> through Apple. Yeah, oh, my gosh. I love when people send me music. It's, like, better than food. Like, yeah. you can just really, like, it shows, like, the connection, and it helps yeah. to get me really hyped up. Um, so, yeah, I love a lot of hip-hop, a lot of rap, um, some pop songs, a lot with, like, a lot of high energy and, and the beats that really get you in the zone. Okay.
0: Uh, Favorite city that you've ever visited? Through all your travels?
1: Same is Switzerland. It's kind of like the birthplace of bobsled, okay. but it's such a magical city. It's the only natural track in the world, so that's the only track that doesn't have a refrigeration system. And so wow. when we go there, it's very cold because it has to be able to sustain the ice, but they build it naturally every year. And also, um, they have all the other stuff I like, like the shopping and the restaurants, <laughs> the spas, and more Secondary. of the right. lifestyle yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, like, I really enjoy all of those elements, so to have that in one place... Um, St. Moritz is definitely my favorite place.
0: Great. Okay. And the last question, the Power of Positive podcast, what does the power of positive mean to you?
1: The power of positive really means changing how you talk to yourself to me. I think before I didn't realize um, how I was kind of my worst, my own worst critic. Mm-hmm. And once I started to change my mindset and to talk to myself in a more positive Manner. I started to become so much more powerful. I started to accomplish so many more things, and it's about learning yourself and learning what drives you and what gets you going. But um, if you can change that that conversation you have with yourself into a more positive one, a more encouraging one, you got to be your biggest cheerleader. Yeah. You, I used to be my biggest hater, and I didn't know <laughs> how it was affecting me. But once I became my biggest cheerleader and really rooting for myself and then believing in myself, anything I wanted to do became possible. And I think that that really matters. And you got to be. There for yourself, first and foremost, before anyone else.
0: That is some great advice. Asia Evans, uh, Olympian, Southside Chicago girl. uh, Thank you so much for... Joining the podcast, for getting more involved with PCA. Um, if people want to follow you or learn more about your foundation, where yeah, yeah where should they go?
1: Um, it's Asia L. Evans on all social media: A J A L E V A N S. And um, I'm going to be releasing my website as well, which will be asialevans.com, which will have all my information as far as my organization, things I'm working on. Even if you want to work out with me, it'll all be there in one stop. So yeah, check
0: it out. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.